when I woke up this morning, I was so ready for the day. Except for one thing. Uh, I was really tired. <laughs> um, I, was, I was tired because, you know, we've all had our, our days, we've all had our weeks, and I had a great busy week. And so I found myself just being like, I'm tired. But when I landed here, when I pulled in, and when I came out here, and then I just kind of saw this space, I just got excited. I got excited for us to be able to be together, for us to be able to be a community of faith, for us to share life with one another. Uh, despite uh, the challenges that are in front of us, we're still pressing forward. And I'm so thankful for all of you that have chosen to come, that were able to come. For those of you that were not able to or chose not to, that's perfectly fine. I hope that you sense and feel that you have been with us through this whole time online. So earlier on with the kids, I mentioned patience. I mentioned waiting. Have you ever wanted to fast forward through the boring bits of life? Has that ever been one of those moments? I, I know for myself that I've actually caught myself in that kind of situation where maybe you're waiting at a bus stop and you want, you long to just be like, okay, let's speed this up. Let's just fast forward through this slow part. Or you're waiting in line and you're just thinking to yourself, I just want this line to move faster and you just want it to keep going. Or waiting for a package to arrive or waiting on the phone for tech support. That's a, that's a favorite one. We all love that. Or waiting for like customer service or customer relations. Uh, or waiting for our Wi-Fi to come back online. Uh, down at the camp where I work as well, um, at Camp Armatten, we had some Wi-Fi challenges. And let me tell you, when you want it and you don't get it, it's frustrating. It, 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 it pulls at you. So whatever the case might be, what, what in your life causes you to wish you could just fast forward a little bit to kind of push on to the next thing? Have you ever wanted to be there, to arrive? Maybe you have a long trip. I remember when I was a kid, we drove in a van from Edmonton to Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I wanted to get to Tucson, Arizona a little bit faster than the vehicle would allow. Um, that's just the way we are. I think many of us are hardwired to want to speed things up, to want to get there. Um, or how about this very season? Do you long for this, this season of waiting to end? I'm sure maybe, maybe most of us do. Um, maybe wishing that this sermon could be sped up so that we could get on with the rest of our day. Whatever the case might be, we've all felt that. We've all felt the tension of waiting. Now, we've been in a sermon series uh, where we've been exploring the life of David and his Psalms. And David, his life was marked early on with a ton of waiting, right? He's this like 15-year-old kid and he's been anointed. He's been promised that he will one day be the king of Israel. And then it takes, you know, 10, 15 years before any of that actually comes about. And in those seasons, in that season of waiting, it was hard. It was frustrating. In fact, David oftentimes made some mistakes along the way. If you're interested in knowing a little bit more about that, I encourage you to read 1 Samuel 
27, uh, where David kind of, you can sense, loses a bit of patience and starts to do some things kind of on his own. And it's interesting that that's one passage, one chapter in the book of Samuel where God is not mentioned once. And it's the chapter where David kind of goes off and partners with the enemy and does all sorts of things that breaks a ton of commandments. Interesting just to kind of uh, know about that. So David has this promise. He has this commitment that the Lord has given. He's like, I'm going to make you king. And yet he has to wait. He has to wait a long time. Um, uh, there's that statement, that phrase, there's the hurry up and wait. I don't know if you've ever had that statement said to you or you've felt it, but that happens to us a lot, doesn't it? It happens to us where we find ourselves just, we speed up to get somewhere where we need to go and then we have to wait. And I want to encourage all of us right now, wherever we're at, that, that that kind of impatience, that kind of drive to want to get to the end before it's time, it really can wreck, play havoc to our life of faith and to our journey with the Lord. Trusting God and, and living a life of trust requires patience. It requires us being willing to play the long game with life, to not just rush forward and try to make it happen right now, right here. Um, I'd like to look at King Saul and how he got some of this wrong. All right? So uh, in the life of David, one of his kind of key counterpoints where we have the story kind of being bounced back and forth is with Saul. And Saul, I think, is a great example where it reveals two primary points that I'd like to highlight today um, about trusting God. That trusting God requires patience. Um, when we allow impatience to have room to grow in our lives, it slowly pushes us out of trust, out of peace, out of joy, out of faith. And trusting God requires letting His Word rule in our hearts and in our lives. So that's, that's the key idea that I want to drive home. And I'd like the story of Saul to help illuminate that for us. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel 13. First Samuel 13. So, uh, it, just a bit of context, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but this is where it mentions at the very beginning that Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel for 42 years. So, Saul has been chosen to be king, he's been anointed to be king, and he's starting to work uh, in like the office of king and doing all sorts of things that he's been asked to do. Now, what happens is the Philistines have assembled and there's a war that's taking place or there's a war that's about to take place. And King Saul, he looks down at all of his troops and he looks at down at the Philistines' troops and he gets impatient. He, this is what happens. So the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Um, and then Saul remained in Gilgal, 
and all the troops were with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. Uh, but Samuel did not come to Gilead, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. Now you might read that and think, okay, that's fine, that's great. Uh, Samuel said he was going to be there in seven days. I'm just going to do what I need to do to get on with this conflict, with this fight. But then this is what uh, Samuel says. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, well, when, when I saw the men that were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at, at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your king, your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up from Gil, uh, Gibeah in Benjamin and Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. Now, you might read that and think, what just happened there, right? What, what's going on in this situation? This is extreme. This is dramatic. It just announces that Saul is king and he was king at 30. And then a couple of chapters later, Samuel is telling everyone, uh, telling Saul, you're not a king anymore. You're done. It's over. And it all rests on this one event where Samuel asked him, don't do anything don't do any burnt offerings. Don't go there. That's for me to do. That's for that's my role. You be king, and I'll be I'll be the the prophet. And when he got scared, when Saul got scared, he saw the conflict. He saw the issues. He waited. He waited. He waited for what he considered a long enough time. And in his impatience, he did an act that the Lord asked him not to do. That he wasn't supposed to do. In his impatience. He stepped forward and took matters into his own hands. And in that impatience, it just wrecked everything from that point forward. And when we see in the life of Saul that this actually happens in Saul's life over and over again, that he is like a hot-headed, impatient person who just charges forward. And next thing we know, it's gone sideways for the kingdom of Israel because of their king's impatience. Right from the very beginning of Saul's reign, it was already marked to end because he was unwilling to be patient and allow the Lord to do what the Lord was planning to do. He just charged on forward. It's such a small moment in the story, but so much hinges on it. And as I was reading that passage, it struck me, uh, impatience is, is dangerous. It really is dangerous. When I review my own life and I think about the moments in my life and I, and I encourage all of us to be thinking about these points of impatience along the way, where has that gotten you? Where has that impatience led you? I would wager that it hasn't led to fruit. It hasn't led to 
good things. It's led to frustration. It's led to a loss of faith. It's le left you uh, lacking in trust or, uh, I don't know, hurt relationships, whatever the case might be. And all of it coming out of this character defect that we are all so prone to, impatience. And so I want to encourage us in the simplicity of the story and how profound it is that we watch out for our impatience. And honestly, it, friends, in a season like this, where we would love for uh, the social distancing to end, we would love for things to go back to quote-unquote normal, that there's an impatience that probably is rising up in many of us, that we just want to press forward. I want to encourage you today to trust in the Lord and to wait patiently upon Him and to allow the Lord um, to guide our hearts and our minds in this season and to not press forward without the Lord. Later on, uh, David has an opportunity. Many of you might know this uh, part of the story. Uh, David has an opportunity to kill Saul. Now, Saul has, Saul has declared kind of that he's going after David, right? He's declared, this is the way it's going. And now David and his mighty men, or not his mighty men, his, his band of followers, they're often in the wilderness. They're off trying to just figure out what to do next. And by just random chance, by random chance, uh, they find, did we cut out? Did I do that? Yeah. I did. Am I back on? Yep. Um, I'm going to work on not stepping on cords. That's a thing. Okay. Uh, in 1 Samuel, uh, David, uh, in 1 Samuel 24, uh, David spares Saul's life. It's a kind of, it's one of those kind of funny stories where uh, they're hiding in a cave, David and his men, and Saul uh, is in the area. He goes up to the same cave and uh, decides that he needs to relieve himself in the privacy of a cave. Now it's dark in the cave and Saul doesn't realize that there's a whole uh, pack of guys that are hiding at the back of the cave. So while he's there in a vulnerable position, um, his, uh, Saul's there vulnerable because of his situation and David is encouraged by his friends, by his followers, this is your moment. Take, take his life. This is perfect. The Lord has put him in your hands. He, he's like a sitting duck, and this is perfect. And as David approaches Saul, the, the moment would have been perfect. It would have been the, the easiest decision in my mind for David to make would be to kill Saul in that moment. Everything felt like it was set up before him. But in that moment, David was deeply convicted. He only cut off a piece of the garment to prove how close he had gotten. And even in doing that, he felt guilt. He felt badly that this was not for him to do. Um, it says this, Afterward, David felt uh, conscience-stricken uh, conscience for having, having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him for he is the anointed one of the Lord. 
With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. That was a perfect moment for David to take matters into his own hands. But David had the perspective. He had the understanding that he had to put all of his trust in the Lord, not in his own strength and not in his own capacity. Uh, years before this, just like when he was in conflict with Goliath, he knew that it wasn't actually his strength, it wasn't actually his might that defeated Goliath, but it was the Lord. And in this same situation, he knew that one day he would be king, but he couldn't take the throne. He had to wait for the throne to be given. He couldn't take it. He had to wait. And throughout all of the Psalms, we see constant beautiful passages of the call for us to wait on the Lord, for us to wait as the watchman waits for the dawn, because it's in our waiting that we begin to see God's goodness and his work in our lives. I want to encourage us to do uh, something really simple with where we're at. I'd like to lead us through a simple time, uh, a very short time of Lectio Divina. And the reason I want to do this, and I'll explain what that is, is basically it's sacred scripture, sacred listening, where we read scripture, I read it out, and I just invite you to meditate and reflect on what God is saying to all of us through that passage. I'm going to be reading Psalms 130. And now the reason I want us to do this is this passage, uh, this illustration that we see in scripture, it calls us, it reminds us to wait on the Lord. And this is a beautiful Psalms for us to learn from that. So I'm going to read the passage, Psalms 130, and the application that I hope we're all able to take from this is that as we read scripture, as we meditate on it, uh, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, how do I need to change my posture of waiting? Have I been impatient? Where have I been impatient? What has that led to? How can I change my behavior to reflect the patience of the Lord that we hear about in Second Peter? And so I'm just going to uh, have a quick prayer, and then I'm going to read uh, this passage of Scripture, Psalms 130. Heavenly Father, I come to you now. I come before you. I come before your Scripture. We all come before you, and we recognize that your Word, your Word is critical for our lives. That for us to live well, we need to follow after your will and your way as revealed through Scripture. This is not a time in our lives, this is not a season for us to go our own way or to be impatient as Saul was. For, for us to put our trust in you and you alone. Lord, this isn't a season for us to take and to grab and to cling and run after, but for us to wait upon you with deep trust knowing that you care for us more deeply than we even care for our own lives, that you know the desires of our hearts, that you know what we're looking for, what we're hoping in, and you have deep wisdom. And Lord, we ask you uh, to help us to be a people of patience, of endurance, to continue forward. Lord, as we reflect on this Psalms passage, Psalms 130, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would remind us of the truth that's here. That there might be a word or a phrase, Lord, that just sits deeply in our hearts. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would help all of us meditate on this passage 
as I read through it twice. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than the watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that we have your word to remind us that we have stories like the life of Saul that was driven by impatience and, and, the, and the destruction that was brought into his life because of it. And may it serve as a warning and a call for us to be patient. Just as David didn't take matters into his own hands in that vulnerable moment, but he chose to wait for you. He didn't take the throne. He allowed you to give it to him. And Lord, there are things in our lives, there are promises that we sense that you have spoken into our lives. There are passages that we know to be true about who we are and where we're going. And Lord, we wait for you. Lord, we wait for you more than the watchman waits for the morning. And Lord, as we go about our day and the rest of our day and as we enjoy conversations and fellowship with one another, I pray that it would sit in the back of our minds the question, have I been impatient? What has that turned into? What are the ramifications for me choosing uh, to take on that character defect? Lord, we surrender that to you. We ask that you build within us uh, endurance and patience in this season that we would put all of our trust in you and that we would not let our impatience take us away from walking in obedience with you. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful that we get to gather in this place. In your name, amen. Uh, have a wonderful day. Go in the Lord's grace. Enjoy his peace and his life. Take care.